Stephen B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler, you're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Good evening. Wherever you are in the world listening to this radio broadcast, Stevie B's Media Production presents the Gospel Light Radio Show. I'm your host this evening, Stevie R. Butler. And this radio show is being broadcast from Stevie B Media Production at the Carolina studio in the great state of North Carolina with my co-host, Glenn McMillian from the state of Texas, Dr. Frank Washington Jr. from the state of Florida, Stanley Hubbard from the state of Indiana, Clay Phillips from the state of Georgia, Steve Cordo from the state of Illinois, Johnny Morris from the state of Georgia, Yusuf Ford from the state of Indiana, and Brian Christian Coleman from the state of New Jersey. Ladies and gentlemen, we are just grateful for the privilege to bring your program where we as Christians and members of the Churches of Christ can share our faith and preach and teach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ on a weekly basis. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give us a call to the live show at 713-955-0508, or you can go to the Blog Talk Radio website and listen to the show live there. There are over 1,700 live shows on that website at this hour, and you will consistently find this radio show on pages 1 through 4 of that website. You will find the show on page 1 of that website on tonight. And if you have any questions or comments for any of my co-hosts on the show, you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com, or you can go to Stevie B's Media Production at the Carolina Studio. Call me at 910-491-6405. Now again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ, and if you need any assistance in locating the congregation in your area, please feel free contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and stay along with us here on the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask you to bow with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving Heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day and placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we're prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. Father, we pray that you will be with my co-hosts on the show this evening, Yusuf Ford and Steve Cordo, as they break into our listeners, the bread of life, and also my co-host Stanley Hubbard, who will be answering the questions that are on the hearts of so many. We just pray that you will bless them and their families that support their efforts. 
that they, they may continue to sow the seed of the kingdom. Father, we pray that you will be with our listeners who are tuning in via Blog Talk Radio as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well, that they may consider their eternal stance before you and that their hearts may be pricked. And it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you for sending your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who died such a cruel death on Calvary's cross. We recognize that without such a sacrifice, we would not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask you to forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak, and we often fall short of thy will. Father, we pray that you'll continue to bless us and keep us in love with us all the days of our lives. And if we have been faithful until death, Father, we pray that you will save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. In the first segment of the broadcast, my co-host Yusuf Ford, he serves the Livingstone Church of Christ there in Indianapolis, Indiana. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And in the second segment, I have a question from my social media platform on Facebook called Shout It Out. I'll be posing to one of my co-hosts, Stanley Hubbard. He serves as the evangelist for the Kingsley Terrace Church of Christ there in Indianapolis, Indiana. He'll be answering our question in that segment. And to close out the show, my co-host Steve Hub, Steve Cordo, he serves as the evangelist for the East Park Church of Christ there in Danville, Illinois. And he'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ to close out the show. So open up your Bibles now and open your minds. And let's have a great show after the break. The next voice will be that of my co-host. Yusuf Ford. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Oh, 
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now my co-host, Yusuf Ford. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Gospel Light Radio broadcast. I hope, as always, that every one of you is doing well and you are in favor with God and man. Thank you, Brother Stevie, for allowing me to speak to your splendid audience on this beautiful Thursday evening. It's hard to believe, but we are at the end of this calendar year. This year has zipped by, and now there are only about 11 days until the new year ushers, ushers in. Quite a few exciting events have taken place in my life, and I look forward to greeting what the next year will bring. And I've tried to serve as well as I could this year, but I know there's room for much improvement in 24. I also hope you will have the courage to make any necessary changes you may need to make before or after the year uh, arrives. We still have time. If you need to become a, a Christian, please don't hesitate any longer. Um, if I can be of any service in answering any questions you may have or subject you may wish to talk about, you can contact me at my email address, Yusuf Ford, and it's Y-U-S-U-F-F-O-R-D dot Y-F, that's in Yankee Foxtrot, at gmail.com. And you can also reach out to this radio broadcast, and there are, uh, that information will be forwarded to myself or a number of very capable ministers that can respond to your questions and I'm sure they would be more than happy to. Thank you for listening to the many shows and guests Stevie brings to the air and broadcasts. He broadcasts around the the world each week. Uh, he's such a diligent servant of the Lord and his people. And we both serve the Lord. We feel the same way about serving the Lord. I'd like to present a, a lesson to you, you know, Keep in mind, I'm a servant of the Lord, and and I have an obligation to to preach the gospel. I love serving God's people. I always have. I cannot overstate that enough. I love serving on tables, passing out trays. I love serving the congregation in communion, offering prayer on behalf of uh, worshiping members. I love reading the scriptures in preparation of messages that I've heard preachers preach or teachers may have bring. I love reading scriptures. I love congregational prayer. What a blessing it is also to be a part of, you know, the service opening doors for our guests and families 
when they come in and direct them to particular uh, seats or maybe rooms. I love serving at dinner tables. I love serving in the kitchen and the dining room. Again, it's such an awesome experience and feeling uh, serving God's people. And just as a disclaimer, the message that I share with you tonight are not the opinion of this radio broadcast, but my own opinion and thoughts. So this listener discretion is advised. In heaven, we will be in the truth. I love the truth. I love the scriptures. I love, I absolutely like David, in the scriptures day and night. I'm, they're constantly in my mind. I'm, whatever I'm doing, I'm reminded of scriptures. I I can be washing my car and I'm thinking of scriptures, eating, watching TV with my family and friends or whatever, walking down the street. Scriptures are always on my mind. And I love the scriptures. And I think about that in heaven. We will be in the truth, surrounded by it. And we will be part of the truth. And so I wanted to share with you several things I love to think about when it comes to the next life and my personal joys and thoughts. And I know this is the this, the end of the year, the Christmas season, and people are thinking about all of that. That's not necessarily on my mind, especially this time of year, because I celebrate I I don't celebrate it like most people do. Christmas is not a once a year thing for me. I celebrate it all the year because I give to people and give gifts all during the year. So I'm not one of those guys who waits to the end of the year and it's just, you know, just, just a marvelous, happy occasion because for me, it's, that's the, if you're going to celebrate it, it's, you, you should celebrate his life correctly. And that's not just once a year because he encourages us to remember him and and do the right thing and be in the right spirit uh, every day of the year, not just once a year. So um, I look forward to this time of year because people treat each other a little bit better than they do normally. But then that's soon over <laughs> on the 26th or the 27th of, of the month. And that's sad. But for me, I think about not necessarily this life. I My focus is on the next life. And there are a lot of things that I think about. And I want to talk to you about the several or the seven things, or at least seven things that I think about in life after life. And I look forward to serving there. I look, I look forward to serving in heaven. And someone may say, well, Brother Ford, isn't that why you want to, isn't that why we want to go? Um, heaven, our labors, or won't our labors end in heaven? Well, the scriptures don't directly say we will serve or we won't, or we won't serve others, but I'm prepared. Uh, we will, however, serve the Lord. Revelation chapter 22, verse 3, um, 1 through 3 says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb, and in the midst of the street of it, and on up, um, on either side of the river was there a tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruit, and yielded her fruit every month, and the, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And it also says, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. So indeed, uh, this idea about not 
serving in heaven, I don't think it's it's not fair uh, to really look at this. You need to really think about this. I look forward to serving. I look forward to serving them both, standing before them. And so the idea of heaven being a place where we can just lounge around on white fluffy clouds strumming hearts as the angels sing in harmony is just not mentioned in the scriptures. I don't know where that came from, but, I, you know, people come up with these ideas. And I once heard a, a group of people singing, I'm going to shout all over God's heaven. And I thought to myself, well, you might want to wait till you get there. You might want to wait, wait on that one because I don't read where we're going to shout all over heaven. That's something else um, uh, people need to really think about because heaven is supposed to be peaceful and quiet. And it may not be the place for some people, especially if if you're rowdy or you like noise. Revelation chapter 8 verse 1 says that when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of an hour. Uh, that half an hour in earthly time could very well be centuries. You know, one year is with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. So one year. A half an hour could be <laughs> literally be years and years. That might not. That might be too long for some people to be quiet. I don't know. Uh, it's just one of those things. Again, one of those thoughts that come to your mind. So working in heaven shouldn't be a surprise to us. Uh, angels are working right now. You know, if you consider the scriptures, here's here's a scripture to consider. Uh, Hebrews chapter one verse thirteen. The Bible says, but but to uh but to which of the angels said he at any time sit on my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to them who shall be heirs of salvation? So they're they're working right now. They're working right now. The angels are coming back and forth. You know, Jacob saw that ladder, he saw in um in the book of Genesis, angels ascending and descending and Jesus called it his ladder on on the uh, the the, uh, the ladder that stretched from heaven to earth. So angels are busy now working every single day. They're working with us and for us and on our behalf. And they've never sinned against God, and they're not sinning. Why should we? And there are very few unemployed angels, if there are any unemployed angels, and there's certainly no unemployed. Christians. Revelation chapter 22 and 9, the angel told John, uh, Then saith he unto me, See thou, uh, do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren, the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. So John wanted to worship him for all known. He said, Don't do that. I'm, <laughs> I'm serving God just like you. I'm a fellow servant. Notice the expression, the words that he used. I'm a servant. I'm working. So angels are working now. So many prefer to rest or they think they will rest. I'm not going there with that, that idea. I'm just going there with the idea. Now, if I don't have to, if we don't have to work in heaven, if we don't have to serve, great. But I'm not going to go there with this whole idea that I'm going to be Floating on clouds, singing, uh, playing harps all the day, all day, sitting around trees eating manna and that sort of thing. No. 
So another thing I think about, we're going to talk about great trials and tribulations that we've come out of. Revelation chapter 7, verse 13, And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, said John, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Uh, that's going to be amazing that we're going to have an opportunity to share our stories and talk about the many great trials. That's why we're going through so many trials now. And some of us are going through great trials. I know I'm going through great trials, as a matter of fact. Um, A lot of the members that I know are going through some fiery trials. People who are living in the United States who are Christians are going through some fiery trials right now, just standing with the Lord. And we're always under attack. As Christians, we're always fighting. Matthew chapter 13 speaks of the strength of the church and the willingness, their willingness to endure the trials uh, that come upon them, as Jesus said. But he that received the seed into stony places, <clears throat> the same as he that heareth the word and anon with joy receiveth it, yet hath no root in himself, but endureth for a while, For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by, he is offended. And, of course, we've seen that in our lifetime. I've seen it so many years. Again, I've been in the church for many years, over 43 years now. I've seen this from the beginning of my Christian life. When I came in, there was a, 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 a number of people within our congregation that walked away. From from the Lord. And so verse 23 of that same chapter. Chapter 13 says. But he that receives seed into good ground. Is he that heareth the word and understandeth it. Which also beareth fruit. And bringeth forth some hundredfold. Some sixty. Some thirty. And so that's. These are the great trials and the tribulations. That Jesus saw. And that John spoke of. That we will come out of, we will go through, and we will talk about, and we will sing about. The Bible says, and they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are they are thy ways, thou King of saints. Revelation chapter 15 and verse 3. So even those who can't sing a tune right now will fit in. No bad voices, no off keys. No sharp or flats uh, or anybody out of sync. Everything will be in perfect harmony. And we'll talk about and we'll sing about these great trials. And it's going to be amazing because the the ones who don't have to come to earth to serve, I'm sure are going to be curious about our life. And we'll share those stories not only with the angels and the ones who are there in heaven, but even the saints. And that's something Again, that I look forward to uh, hearing the stories of the old saints. We'll talk to them and they'll talk to us about the things that happened to us in this life. That's what I look forward to. Now, along those lines, uh, the, the saints actually do exist. Now, there's some thought and some 
theological things and studies and debates about whether there's another life, whether people actually exist beyond this life. If this is just it, this is it. Once you leave this life, total annihilation, total uh, non-existence is what some people believe. But in Matthew 17, it features Jesus speaking with Moses and Elijah in the top of a mountain in a, a three-dimensional transformation. Read that, Matthew chapter 17. Luke chapter 16, Abraham is said to have been alive in, in the afterlife speaking to a man who had recently passed away, the rich man in Lazarus, that story. First Samuel chapter 28, Saul brings Samuel up from the grave by the witch of Endor and speaks to him. Uh, and this, this conversation um, is evidence. These conversations are evidence that there is life beyond the grave. And so I'm looking forward to, to the things that I believe the scriptures. Again, I believe the truth and I believe that the Bible is true. And I don't believe that these things are myth. I don't think that there are falsehoods. I don't think that there are lies. First Corinthians chapter 13 verse 12 says, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Paul said, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I'm known. So we'll know each other uh, by who we were. Now we'll have different names, but he's saying that we'll be known as we're known. And how great would that be to talk to people that we know now that we came out of great trials and tribulations with, but also to see the saints who lived in, on the earth before we did, before we exist. These are going to be amazing conversations that we'll be able to sit around and talk. I can't wait to talk to the old saints. I, there are a number of people I want to see first. I want to see Adam and Eve. Where's Eve? Where's Adam? Because <laughs> I'm sure that probably happens in the if in the in the in the next world as soon as people leave and are reacquainted with the uh, people that lived in the past life. Where's Eve and Adam? Especially women. I hear that all the time. I want to talk to Eve about this whole thing. So here's another thing, number five for me. None of the horrible experiences of this life will ever be repeated. They'll never be repeated. We won't have to go through all of the things that we're going through over and over and over and over again because it just won't exist in the next life. And that will be a blessing. I don't even want to talk about it in the, in the sense some of the things that we we went through here and, and there are certain things I won't I, I, I'm pretty sure I'll be on guard against and I won't even it won't even come into conversation. Because the new life will take on a new shape. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 53. Uh, this, the Bible states for this corruption, this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Amen. So we're going to pass from this mortal life and all of the incident and the hospital visits and the sicknesses and all of the other issues that happen and they will never be repeated again. We will never have to go through this again. None of it. 
And so I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to my new body. I'm looking forward to a body that doesn't get sick. I'm looking forward to a body that never dies. We already have a spirit. Our, our soul was made immortal. When God created man in his own image, he, he made him so that he could never stop existing. We will never cease to exist. Our soul will never cease to exist. It will always live. It will live on. And it will outlive the physical body a million times, a million times, a million. The physical realm has no is in, in no comparison to the lifespan and the existence, uh, the ability to exist as the the spiritual man or the soul that God created man to be. So isn't that wonderful? Now this might step on a few toes, but it is what it is. There will be no more homosexuality and corrupt lifestyles or concepts in that new life. None of the things that we had, it just won't be. It'll be, you know, this is reading from Romans chapter 1 and verse 22. The scripture says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And changed the glory of an uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up into vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their own lusts one towards another, men with men working that which is not unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Heaven promises to be free of all these types of behaviors. And it is a behavior. It's a learned behavior. But I'm so glad that heaven Promises to be free of all this. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There won't be any of these types of liberties, lifestyles in, in the new world, in God's kingdom. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their place in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Isaiah chapter 50, these, these are scriptures. This is not me. This is not me. This is scripture. Isaiah 35 verse 8. And a highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. And the unclean shall not pass over it. But it shall be for those, the wayfare man, that though fools shall not err therein. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. This is what I'm looking forward to. Sounds like a pretty, it sounds pretty clear to me. That's where I want to be. That's where I want to live. 
no prejudice or wars or crime or fighting, pollution, overcrowdiness or sin. None of those things. So it's going to be, it's, these are the joyful thoughts that I have about the next life. Just to name a few. And I don't like to take this time to just thank God and praise God because he's called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. I never, never want to look back. He said, Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. And uh, those of you who are Bible readers knows, you know how that ended. Remember Lot's wife. I'm never going to look back because heaven is my home. This is what I'm fighting for. This is what I'm living for. And these are the type of people I want to spend eternity with who live, have clean hearts and clean minds and clean lives and want to serve the Lord forever and ever and ever. That may be too much for some people, but that's what I want. And so there it is. That's my my last message to you for this year. And I hope you weren't offended, but I share again, I share with you my thoughts and my opinions on what I believe, what I believe and what I read and what others believe and what they read may be differently. But these are the things that I read and these are the things I believe in and hold close to my heart. I like to take this time to wish you, if I can, happy holidays. I look forward to speaking with you next year if it's God's will. Thank you, Brother Stevie, for granting me this wonderful opportunity of sharing my thoughts and opinions with your remarkable audience. And may you all have a great holiday. Be well, everyone, and be blessed. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Brother Stevie, for this opportunity. Have a good night. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. When I remember, God, I know, know what's there, my God, he knows what's there. Late in the midnight hour, I was crying and all alone, waiting for an answer. My hope's gone I even called on my best friend And she could not be found Lord, you said you'll never leave me Nor forsake me Lord, where are you now? So I went to church the next Sunday morning Looking for my breakthrough I knew a change would come if I just hold on, cause God's word is true. But then the preacher said something, and it took me by surprise. Sometimes God says no, but just like Job, you gotta trust him, my child, when God 
the preacher said it and I didn't quite understand it. He said, don't forget it. Just trust your father. Because he knows what's best. When I lay awake in the middle of the night. With tears streaming from my eyes. I remember. Father knows. No matter what you're going Cause he knows Father knows And I start to feel a little better Cause he started talking about my Jesus And the garden of Gethsemane And how we pray to the Father Let this cup pass from me Then he did just like me y'all Said he went to his best friend and his friends let him down. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you now? You see, sometimes God is moving and we don't understand. See, Jesus paid the cost when we were lost and it was all a part of God's master plan. So when you're waiting for that answer And God says no to you Just go ahead and shout hey, And have no doubt trust your That the Father knows more hey, than you When God says no No, 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 no See, it's not in man that walketh To direct his own So when I prayed for that job, and I never get the call, and you, you prayed for that sick one, and they've gone on to that eternal home, and when you cried, and you prayed, and you cried, and you feel there's nothing left, just put it in the hands of the Father, and remember, no matter what it is or what it looks like, God he knows. God yes, he knows. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Shout it out question. We have a question from my social media platform on Facebook called Shout It Out that we want to pose to my co-host, uh, Stanley Hubbard. He serves as the evangelist with the Kingsley Terrace Church of Christ there in Indianapolis, Indiana. And we also want to encourage our listeners to go to that group on social media, Facebook, and get involved in those biblical discussions. Now, the question that I have for my dear brother, uh, Stanley Hubbard, and this is the question that we have. From an anonymous querist from Harlem, New York, and the question is, please explain why both John the Baptist and Jesus Christ were baptizing people at the same time. Now, here's the question. Were both baptisms for the remission of sins, or were they both considered to be John's baptism that the Apostle Paul talked about in Acts chapter 19 and verse 4? And the scripture references for these questions came out of John chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. And also verse 26. What say you, brother, to this question? 
But bless you, bless you. This is Brother Hubbard of the Kingsley Terrace Church of Christ, a church where God is glorified, saints are sanctified, and lives are changed. We're located in Indianapolis, Indiana. I know that God will bless you for your strength, peace, and concern for the direction he's trying to offer to your life. We're thankful to Stevie B and the program he puts together to challenge us and reinforce us to become all that God has desired his children to become for his purpose inside the kingdom. We want to acknowledge on today our call-out question for the day and look at this question in light of the intention of the question. We're given this question based on the book of John, the third chapter, the text. The question is, were both baptisms for the remission of sins or were they both considered to be John's baptism that the Apostle Paul talked about in Acts 19.4? This, of course, addresses the issue of why both John the Baptist and Jesus Christ were having people baptized at the same time. <clears throat> Let me read the text again to you from the book of John in the third chapter. Hear the words that the writer expresses for us. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out uh, into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized, John 3:22 and following. Now John also was baptizing Anon and Nesalim because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put into prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he's baptizing and everyone is going to him. Noticing inside of the text, there is a baptism that John the Baptist is doing. And notice also that as Jesus comes and he's baptized by John the baptizer, then after John baptizes him, the disciples of Jesus continue to baptize. The Bible is clear that the responsibility, the intent of John's baptism was a baptism for the for remission, for, for, for repentance rather. John baptized for repentance. The word repent means to turn. It was a call to people to to stop the process of how they'd been living and the decision they were making. It was preparatory for the change that God had for their life. Neither the baptism of John the baptizer nor the baptism that Jesus had been done was for the remission or removing of one's sins. They were actually preparatory for something entirely different. The, John was saying to those people, your life has gone wrong, your path has gone off. My challenge to you is take this ceremonial address to make a decision for a change from what you were in the direction God wants you to go in. It was a call for repentance. Even notice before one becomes a part of the family of God, Luke 13, 3 and 5, the Lord said, unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Repentance is a change of mind. It's deciding even right now that as a change I need to make. Then followers of Jesus were also baptized to demonstrate faith in him and the desire to obey his teaching. He saw baptism as this spiritual act that would deepen a significance inside of their lives. But this is previously before the intent of baptism for the forgiveness or removal of a person's sins. If you notice in the Bible, Acts chapter 2, the text says baptism for the remission of sins began after the establishment of the church. Acts 2.38 declares, therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and John and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
Repent and be baptized for the remittance, removal, forgiveness of your sins. So therefore, John's call, repent. Change your way of being, your way of thinking, your way of becoming. Jesus' declaration is also in the context of repentance. But now, as you're moving from John, he had to decrease. He asked Jesus is going to increase. Now you must be worshiping him. And as you worship toward him and learn from him and follow his teaching, this is to demonstrate their faith in him and their desire to obey his teachings. Neither one of these, of course, was for the remission or removal of one's sins. They were preparatory for the plan God had in Acts chapter 2. It prepared them for the advanced opportunity because salvation could not begin until the church door was opened by Peter by preaching the first sermon in Acts chapter 2 based on Matthew 16, 13 through 18. I pray that you will look again into this text and be aware of the goodness of God. He always does things in preparation for what he's going to do in the future. God is an excellent planner. And I would contend that because of the dynamics of this, even the, the text in Acts that talks about the baptism of John was John emphasized repentance of change. But John had no access to forgiveness. And even Jesus' disciples being baptized while he was there, there's no access to forgiveness of sins until the price was paid for our sins. The wages of sin is death. And Jesus died on the cross to remove that burden from our shoulders. May you allow this word to give you insight, to bless you. May it give you an understanding even better of the significance of dying to ourselves, being buried in the water of baptism for the forgiveness of our sins. That only happens now that the Lord has died and been resurrected. Anything before that was a change of mind, not a change of soul condition from death. May God bless you, give you strength and peace. May Brother Stevie B continue the great work he's doing to pour this into our hearts and make us stronger. May God hold you in his hand. Be blessed. Shout it out question. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. This is a program reminder. Stevie B Media Production presents. We're airing live shows here on Blog Talk Radio. Telephone number to the live show is 713-955-0508. And the website is www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash gospel light radio show. On Tuesday evening, I'm hosting a live show, What a Word the Lord radio show. That show airs every second, third, and fourth Tuesday of the month. And the show that airs every second Tuesday of the month, the show airs from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And on the second Tuesday of the month, we have a guest speaker from the Brotherhood of the Churches of Christ. We'll be making that proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Also during that show, we have Community Corner segment. That segment is designed for small business owners and entrepreneurs. We have products and services for our community. And I have two co-hosts on that show, Lou Gilbert. He's the evangelist for the Oberlin Park Church of Christ there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And Isa Mullins, he serves the Church of Christ there in Cary, North Carolina. And on Thursday, the third Tuesday of the month, that show will air at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And my co-host is Dr. Enterica Lane. She's a board-certified obstetrician and gynecologist. She serves the Gray Road Church of Christ there in Cincinnati, Ohio. And she'll be hosting her show, Conversations with Dr. Lane. And the fourth Tuesday of the month, my co-host is Kelly Fletcher. She serves with Livingstone Church of Christ there in Indianapolis, Indiana. And her show will air from 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And she'll be hosting the Kelly Fletcher Show. And on Thursday evening, each week from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'll be hosting a live show, the Gospel Light Radio Show. And I have eight co-hosts on that show. And these gentlemen will be presenting lessons from the Word of God. Clay Phillips, who's a forward, Dr. Frank Washington, Steve Cordo, Stanley Hubbard, Robert Glenn McMillian, and Brian Christian Coleman. And these gentlemen will be presenting lessons from the Word of God. And each week I have two co-hosts on the air with me. I'm also, I'll also be taking a question from my social media platform on Facebook that I'll be posting to one of my co-hosts on that live show. And then on Friday night, I'll be hosting a live show, Stevie B's Acapella Gospel Music Blast. And this shows the 2022 recipient for the Nakama National Academy of Christian Acapella Music Artists Award for Outstanding Achievement in Record or Radio. This show will air from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. And on this show, I'm playing some of the world's greatest acapella gospel music artists, Sweet Sounds of Voices. We're also interviewing artists, producers, writers. And we're also debuting new music featuring old music on this broadcast as well. And every third two, every third Friday of the month, we'll be doing my top 20 countdown show. We have on-demand episodes where we get your favorite podcasts from. Just go to the various musical platforms, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Apple iTunes, just to name a few. Also, I recorded version shows. These were album debuts mostly, and they have the same playlist on my live show here on Blog Talk Radio. And these shows can only be heard on iHeartRadio, Deezer, and also on Amazon Music. Just search for Steve B. Recorded Version Shows. We'd like to thank all of our sponsors who are sponsoring these radio shows. If you'd like to become a sponsor, just contact my sponsorship manager, Michelle Marco from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Her telephone number is 954-687-4705. The three E's of Stevie B Media Production. It is the objective of this broadcast. We want to educate, we want to edify, we want to encourage you in a study 
of God's Word. And that will conclude our program announcements. You're listening to the Gospel Live Radio Show. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Lord, you know I need you.
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now my co-host, Steve Cordell. Good evening, Stevie, and thank you for having me on the show again, and welcome to everybody listening in on the Blog Talk Radio platform, or whichever platform you happen to be on. Thank you for taking the time to be with us as we study God's Word. If you want to get your Bibles, open up to 1 Samuel chapter 4 is where we will be getting started here momentarily, and if you are watching the video on my YouTube channel, hit that subscribe bar, and then the notification bell when it pops up. And so you'll be notified whenever content is added to the channel and comment on these videos, like them, share them, the usual routine that uh, we do with YouTube videos. Now, in our text today, 1 Samuel chapter 4, I want to back up actually a little bit and think about what happened at the end of Judges. Uh, The order of the books as we go to Joshua, Judges, Ruth, which at one time was a part of Judges, and then we go into 1 Samuel, and Samuel's actually considered the last of the judges. But look at the last line in the book of Judges. In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Or the old King James, I think, says every man did that which was right in his own eyes. The idea being there that there was pretty much lawlessness, uh, what what I deem to be right may not be what you deem to be right, but who cares? I'm going to do whatever it is that I think uh, is right in a situation. And that's laying the groundwork for uh, what's going to happen as Samuel is coming into his ministry and what the social and political situation was going on there and the religious and moral situation because it, Israel was not in a good place uh, at that time. So in this lesson, we're going to take a look at our text here in 1 Samuel 4, but I call this lesson Ending Your Walk with God in Two Easy Steps. And ending our walk with God or departing from the faith is something, unfortunately, that happens all the time. I know there are churches and denominations out there that teach you can't lose your salvation, that once you're saved, you're always saved. Uh, And if you're part of a faith group that believes that, uh, let me tell you to go back and take another look at at the scriptures, because the Bible is very clear, you can fall away and lose your faith. You can lose your salvation. You can give up on your Christianity. And we see what the results of giving up on God are back in the Old Testament. All we got to do is look at Israel. Look at the Old Testament, and we can see what happens when we turn our backs on God, when we walk away from God. And the question that we have to ask ourselves in modern America is, what makes us think we're going to get away with it? We've turned our backs on God. Look at what's happening in our society and see that uh, we are turning our backs on God. We have pushed God out of our lives. And unfortunately, many churches have done this. And the end result is going to be we're going to wind up like Israel if we're not careful. And 1 Samuel chapter 4 where, which will set the stage for what we're going to talk about here. Uh, beginning in verse 12, the man of Benjamin ran from the battle line the same day and came to Shiloh, and his clothes were torn and dirt on his head. Now when he came, there was Eli sitting on a seat by the wayside, watching for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told it, 
all the city cried out. When Eli heard the noise and the outcry, he said, What does the sound of this tumult mean? And the man came quickly and told Eli. Eli was 98 years old, and his eyes were so dim that he could not see. Then the man said to Eli, I am he who comes from the battle, and I fled from the battle line. The man said to Eli, I am he who comes from the battle, and I fled today from the battle line. And he's re- this is repetitive. I, I didn't mess up and read the same verse twice, by the way. What happened, my son? So the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has been a great slaughter among the people. Also, your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been captured. Then it happened when he made mention of the ark of God that Eli fell off the seat backward by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died. For the man was old and heavy, and he had judged Israel forty years. Now his daughter-in-law, Phinehas' wife, was with child due to be delivered, and when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and gave birth, for her labor pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women who stood by her said to her, Do not fear, for you have borne a son. But she did not answer, nor did she regard it. She called the boy Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel. Because the ark of God was taken and because of uh, her father-in-law and her husband. She said, the glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God was taken. Ichabod. Now, if you read Washington Irving's novel, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, uh, also known as The Headless Horseman, you might have heard that name. What does it mean? Names in biblical times, they typically had a meaning as to why a child was given a certain name. And the name in this case means the glory is departed. Now just imagine that your mom or your father or whoever gave you a name like the Ichabod. I wonder what sort of burden that would put on the child. Uh, one, one writer I, I read said he didn't know which was worse, Ichabod or a boy named Sue. If you remember the old Johnny Cash classic uh, uh, country song. But this is quite a burden to put on a child to give him the name that it it does describe the situation in Israel, but to tell a child, hey, you are the glory is departed, that's got to be a burden on him. So ending our walk with God in two easy steps. First of all, if you remove godly activity from your life, if you remove God from your life, you're going to be ending your walk pretty quickly. And that is the first step. In this case, people were not listening to Eli, They were not listening to Samuel. They were not listening to any direction. You may have heard a term in the last few years called deconstruction. And basically, it's young people, teens and early 20s, walking away from the faith. I was watching a YouTube video with uh, Frank Turek the other day. He uh, wrote or co-authored the book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And he also wrote a book called Stealing from God. And that book is not what you might think it is. It's not got anything to do uh, with with money here. I'm, I'm showing a picture of it on the YouTube channel. Um, it has to do with all the arguments that atheists make against God are, in fact, arguments for God. And they need God to make their case. But it's a very interesting read uh, for apologetics. Uh, but uh, he told of a letter or an email he got from a parent whose daughter was raised in a Bible-believing home, going to church in the youth group. She went to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, 
And within a month, she called home and told Dad she no longer believed in God. She was an atheist. And the reason why was because of some things a professor said in class, in a class that was in the theology department. And I think I know who the professor is that, that said it. Uh, who was a, And he was someone raised in a fundamentalist home and through his studies drifted into agnosticism. He might be an atheist now. I'm not sure, he, but he's at least an agnostic. And he will make no bones about it. He will uh, throw all the anti-Bible and Bible criticism out there. And he's one that I believe is actively pursuing young people to lead them away from their faith. And you have got people uh, in the public schools and in our universities. I have no doubt that that's their goal is to uh, deconstruct the faith of of Christians. And that might be a, a program or, or a show for an, with another discussion along those lines. But in Judges and 1 Samuel, we, have, we can see throughout those two books how Israel got into trouble when they wandered away from God. They made the decision. They stopped their authentic and their authorized worship of God. And then the priests were corrupt. We can see all this happening in America today. We've wandered from God. Churches have left the authentic and authorized worship of God. And look at uh, the, the Christian leadership, church leadership in many cases. It has become soft on sin or they've become corrupt. And then God stopped walking with Israel because of their sin. And he'll stop walking with us uh, because of our sin, too, if we let it uh, come between us and we don't do anything to stop it. If you remove God's activity from your life, you will lose. And look at some of the things that, that we can lose. We will lose our, our uh, fellowship with God's people. Now, the church provides worship and provides fellowship, and that should help us to keep our focus where it needs to be. And for the preachers in the audience, you've got to remember, when you get up to proclaim God's word, you're not the center of attention. God's word needs to be the center of attention. When we worship God, that should prepare us spiritually and emotionally for what lies ahead. In other words, when I leave the church building, I need to take my Christianity and take it outside the building and into my community, to wherever I work, to where I go to school, where I shop, uh, wherever it is I'm going, I need to remember I'm a Christian. And then sometimes in our trials of life, we'll get really focused on our problems that we forget God. We forget that God is still there. We forget that we need to give our attention to the Lord and allow him to lead us through these situations, pray for wisdom, and stick with, with God's plan. Look at what had happened there in Israel. They had turned away from God, and uh, even Eli, who was a priest, was not really living up to what he needed to. Uh, we, we like to make jokes today about how the preacher's kid is the worst-behaved kid in class, but you look at Eli's sons. Now, Hophni and Phineas, uh, they were probably worse than just about any preacher's kid I've known. And I've known some good preacher's kids, and I've known some bad ones, and I have a preacher's kid. And uh, so far, she's been not had any problems in school. She's got a very positive reputation. I hope we'll keep that up. But preacher's kids have got a stereotype about them, that they are usually the ones that are going to be troublesome. But we also, as a church, need to provide fellowship that will help us all face problems in life, help the, the preachers, too, and the elders and the deacons. We are just as human as anybody else. And we look at the apostles and, uh, and how they led the church in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, 
tells us about the support and the encouragement all Christians got. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. So they continued steadfastly. We're going to see in a minute how they continued daily to keep the fellowship, which is a Greek word, koinonia, which means common. They just had all things in common. And that's where we get our word fellowship, and uh, that is where we get the term koine Greek, which is what the New Testament was written in. It was the common language of the day. And so if you knew Koine Greek, you could go about anywhere in the Mediterranean world, and you could at least get by, kind of like English is today. But they were uh, continuing in that doctrine. They encouraged one another daily. They didn't wait till Sunday school or Wednesday. In fact, look at verse 46 and 47. Continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with uh, gladness and simplicity of heart praising God and having favor with uh, all the people, and the Lord added daily to the church those who were being saved. Notice it was daily. And they did that, you notice, without uh, cell phones, without email, without texting, without the Internet. They were able to daily uh, be together. Now, I don't know if everybody got together in one place, or maybe you had small groups at home. I don't know how exactly the mechanics of it, but the Christians took time every day to encourage one another. This is why I always emphasize, if you have a baptism, if this Sunday we have a baptism, before that person leaves, especially if it's someone who has no family connection, uh, I'm talking the kind of person maybe who just walked in off the street one day, hi, I'm looking for a church home, and I just thought I'd come and visit your church, okay, and you have a study, and then you baptize him. He needs to have some phone numbers, emails, uh, Facebook pages, YouTube channels, Instagram, he needs to have those that contact information from as many people as possible. I think the minimum number, statistically speaking, is something like seven friends within six months or something like that. He needs the, those relationships because remember, when a person becomes a Christian, they leave the church building, they go home, they're going right back into the environment they came out of. The, that stack of bills that they're wondering how they're going to pay it is still sitting there on the table. They go home, they tell their family, hey, I became a Christian today. Oh, that's interesting. That's cool. Hey, did you pick up the pizza on the way home? The game's starting soon. Or they tell them, hey, I've become a Christian. Oh, no, man, don't tell me you're one of those fanatics. Uh, no. So they're going to need us to step up and provide the family the encouragement they need, and hopefully we can win some souls from their, uh, from their workplace or their family as well. So you and I, when we step away from God, however, we're stepping away from God's people. And when a new convert doesn't get the connections with the church that they need, they're going to be stepping away. And when we stop associating with Christians, prayer time gets hurt, our study time, our Bible time, Bible reading time, all of that gets hurt, all of that suffers. Now in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 23, there we are told, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, someone years ago once told me when discussing this passage is that um, we've got the provoke part down pretty well. And the stirring up part, the old King James says, provoking one another to love and good works. 
And then he says, now forsake. Now, if we are now, if you notice here, forsaking and assembling are verbs. They had quit assembling uh, the the uh, whole the group as a whole that uh, the Hebrew writer is uh, is, is uh, writing to. So if we are not assembling, if I'm not showing up regularly on Sundays and for other church functions, I'm going to eventually drift. It's like the old adage of taking a uh, piece of wood from a fire. It's still uh, burning hot, and you can it's hot to touch, but set it off to the side. In a matter of minutes, it's going to be cool, and then eventually you'll be able to pick it up because it is now cold. But the rest of the fire over here is still going. And that's the way it is with a Christian. If you get pulled away from assembling with other Christians, and you're eventually going to go cold, and the fire will eventually go out. So the first step, if you're removing God, removing God's activities uh, from your life, and then you remove God's presence from your life. You quit going uh, assembling with the church. You quit reading your Bible. You're not praying like you should. Now God's presence is going to be gone. And, and she said, verse, look at back at our text, 1 Samuel 4, verse 22, she said, the glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God was taken. That's the name of her son. The glory has departed. The presence of God had departed from them. The ark of God, remember, was something that was sacred. It had the, the uh, Ten Commandments in it. But by this point in Israel's history, it had pretty much become just another piece of furniture. They didn't have any particular regard for it. And so God's glory and presence was gone from Israel. While the ark was not the literal glory of God, it represented his presence with the people. So in a very real sense, when the ark was lost, the uh, Israel lost their alliance uh, with God. Uh, or And the, the sign of God's glory was gone. And remember, from the time of Moses in the wilderness up to this point, God's presence and his glory had made that nation unique. They were God's chosen people. They were the ones that were supposed to be the light to the world. And you can see from their history, they promptly fell flat on their face. So when, God's, when they had God's, God's presence in their lives, they were invincible. But when his presence and glory were gone, they were just another nation uh, among the nations. And it can be said for many congregations, I think, in America today, many churches in America today, that uh, we are just basically becoming a, a social clubs because we are not keeping with the scriptures. We are not. Uh, we're, we're doing with the scriptures what they did with the uh, with the Ark of the Covenant. And if we are turning away from God, and we're treating the Bible like it's just another book, then there is going to be the absence of God's glory, and then there's going to be spiritual poverty. There is going to be the church is going to become lifeless. We're just going to be another group of people meeting together at regular intervals, and we're not going to be not going to have anything special about being God's people. And so what is it that forces God's presence out of Israel? What is it that forces God's presence out of our lives today? It's the same thing in both cases. Sin. Yeah, I know. I, I said this word, uh, sin, that nobody wants to uh, admit exists today. Oh, it's some outdated concept. No, let me tell you, sin will still separate you from God today just as much as it did in Old Testament Israel's time. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 is just as true now as it was then. Sin is what separates you from 
your God and, and hides his, uh, his, so he will not see you, he will not hear you. You know, just like the last couple of days here where I live have been overcast skies, cloudy. Now people will say, oh, the sun's not out. Well, the sun is out, it's up there, but the clouds are obstructing the view. And the same is true with sin. Just think of sin as being that cloud cover. You know, God is still there. But because of our sin, he's not going to hear us. He's not going to see. Uh, it's going to block. Our sin is going to block uh, our, the presence of God out of our lives. And we have to understand that. First John chapter 1 says, This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light. Notice he's not a light. He is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. Now watch this. If we say we have fellowship with him, and yet walk in dark in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now notice he's talking to Christians. So if I, as a Christian, uh, say, yeah, I've got fellowship with God, but I'm walking in darkness, I'm living in sin, I'm not uh, following God, uh, the teachings of Scripture, I'm not following God's commands, I'm lying, and I'm not practicing the truth. And we know that no liar is going to be in heaven. Revelation tells us there won't be any liars there. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, sin cannot exist in God's presence. No one, he says, can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in wealth. Now, if you go out there in, in, the, uh, in the roadway in front of your house or in a downtown busy district, what happens when you get out there in the middle of the road? Well, you get run over eventually. And you're going to get run over by people going both ways. So you've got to pick one side or the other. Pick a lane and get in it. Ephesians chapter 5, for you were once darkness. He's telling the, the people there in Ephesus, they weren't just in it, they were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. We cannot serve God in money, power, pride, lust, greed, and all that. We have to serve God. We have to make up our mind and choose who we're going to serve. And some other reasons for God's glory departing and why we may not have it. One is false convictions will lead to false glory. You know, Israel had a form of godliness, but there wasn't any substance to it. They were going through the motions uh, of, their, of their service to God. But they weren't really doing anything with it. They were, they were, they, There's no heart, no, no thought into it. And in the case of Hophni and Phinehas, they tried to use the Ark of God basically as a good luck charm. They thought they could tell God what to do. So they sent it off to battle, and they ended up getting beat badly. And it comes down to Israel had religion, but they didn't know God. And this is where we have to be careful. Yeah, you may have been going to church every Sunday and Wednesday for the last 30, 40, 50 years. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're a Christian. In fact, I know a man, he's deceased now, came every Sunday with his wife from the, starting with the day after they got married. And for over 50 years, in his younger days, he was there for all the work days and would go to the, to the camp where they have those congregation sponsored a cabin. He'd go up there for the work days. Uh, every uh, every year to get the camp ready for the kids. To the best of my knowledge, that man never became a Christian. And I never could figure out why. He didn't really talk a whole lot about it. I could visit with him, have coffee with him. It was great, but we never he never would talk much about the Bible. And I have no idea. His wife claimed not to know. I think she knew. 
And I heard uh, as easy as, or a simple uh, explanation as, well, he just doesn't believe in God. I've heard, I heard others say, well, he just thought he was okay. He kind of, you know, had his own understanding with God, that sort of thing. Don't know. But the point is, he died, as far as I know, without the Lord. He really didn't even have religion, and he definitely didn't know God. So we have to understand, faith in Jesus is not just some good luck charm. It's not like that lucky rabbit's foot we carry around. And if it's so lucky, how did the rabbit lose it? So keep that kind of a question in mind. It is not something that we can just uh, uh, pull out of our pocket and say, oh, here's my good luck charm. It is not just something that we carry around like an IU. Hey, God, you owe me for this. See, we don't we don't have that. Jesus is not just some good luck charm. Like the crucifixes that uh, or the crosses that some people wear, and hang in their houses. It's almost like they're doing it just because they want to make sure the bases are covered. Not some people are going to be sincere. I'm not saying everybody uh, has that attitude. And then we have to remember that corruption is a danger. We live many times with corrupt priorities and practices. We don't take the things of God seriously, and we act like the world many times, except when we're in church. And even I've been in some church settings where people acted just like the world. And when our language and our conduct and our behavior, when we get away from the church, it contradicts what we say and contradicts what we profess to believe, that's corruption. And that kind of behavior will result in God's presence and power missing from our lives. We will be nothing, but just we'll be just like the rest of the world. And that's why I don't get churches that want to keep changing doctrine and changing to be more inclusive, because you're just becoming more like the world when you do that. So why should I become a Christian if there's no need for me to change my life, to better myself, uh, to put sin away? Because I might as well just stay where I am. You're going to heaven, and you're doing all the exact same things I'm doing. So why do I need to become a Christian? Isaiah 59.2, we referred to it earlier. Your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. All sin will destroy something. It may destroy something else first, but it ultimately will destroy you. And in a Christian's life, the most damaging consequence of unrepentant sin, of course, is going to occur uh, in our relationship to God. And so we have to remember, sin destroys something. You've got to remember, too, a lot of times we'll, we'll do something and we'll say, well, I'm the only one that's getting hurt. Stop and think about that. Think about it in terms, especially when a couple commits adultery, let's say. Well, we're the only ones. We're consenting adults. I'm the only one that got hurt. Really, what happens when your spouse finds out about it? Uh, there's a third and possibly a fourth person uh, if both adulterers are married. And then what about your children? Especially if your spouse uh, decides to divorce you over the, uh, uh, the adultery. You've not just hurt yourself. That's not victimless. You've created a whole bunch of victims, and who knows what it'll do for their salvation. I can think of a couple of families where the marriage has ended in divorce, and none of them are faithful. Now, a few have sort of gotten involved maybe with denominational churches, but um, I, I'm thinking of a couple of uh, two or three couples right now, three couples right now, where they're not faithful. They're doing out there in the world, doing everything that is uh, opposed to what they were taught and what they formally believed. So think about it. 
before you go off and, and get involved in any kind of sin, not just adultery, any kind of sin, you're not going to be the only one affected. This, uh, th these do not occur in a vacuum. There will be others affected. And in a Christian's life, the most damaging consequence of unrepentant sin is going to be our relationship with God. It is going to uh, either, uh, it'll at the very least hamper it if it doesn't destroy it completely. And the results of a lack of power in our lives are going to be because the glory is gone. God is no longer, it will result in a lack of joy in our salvation too because the glory is gone because God is not present with us. So God will withdraw his glory for a time from Israel. And we can avoid our own Ichabod moments in our lives by knowing what, we, what to look for. And you need to think. You need to take some steps to walk with God. You know, maybe you need to reestablish a relationship with God. Maybe you're starting to veer off uh, into sin. Maybe you're taking one of these two steps that ends your, your, uh, your walk with God. Well, let me just encourage you, if you're at that kind of a fork in the road, then choose the fork that chooses God. Well, let us help you. You know, contact uh, one of the speakers on the show through our social media, or you can contact Stevie. We'll help you find somebody in your area. We'll help you find a, a congregation, a faithful congregation of the Lord's people, and help you to get your walk back on track. Or, or if, you, if you're not walking with the Lord, if you're not a Christian, we'll help you get that walk started. Contact us if there's any way that we can help you. Thank you for having me on the show again, Stevie, and thank you to the audience for uh, tuning in. We, that's it for this evening, and we'll see you uh, next month. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. I want to thank you for spending a little time with us this evening in a study of God's Word. I want to thank my co-host, Yusuf Ford and Steve Corder, for those lessons that they gave on the show. Great lessons. I just love sitting here listening and studying the Word of God. And also, my co-host, Stanley Hubbard, he did a great job answering that question regarding those two baptisms with John the Baptist and the Lord. That was a great answer as well. Ladies and gentlemen, I really do appreciate everyone who participated in the uh, show on this evening. What a blessing. It is my prayer that these lessons this evening have been beneficial to your spiritual lives and your relationship with the Lord has been strengthened because you not only tune in this radio broadcast, but you've given yourself over to a study of God's word. So until we meet again, I pray God's continued blessings upon your lives and that he bless you real Real good. You've been listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. On behalf of my co-host on this radio show, we really do appreciate your love and support for these programs. I'm your host, Steve R. Butler. Good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. I give you the honor. I give you the praise. I give you the glory. All of my name. The love you show when you said heaven's on to rescue me when I was lost in despair. Cause it was justice that said I should die. But your mercy stepped in. Who can I lean on? 
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.